0: It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air with Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain.
1: We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two.
0: Part of the Penalty
1: Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. So, Matt, which jersey is this today?
0: Ooh. Well, in honor of the Preds releasing their new jersey, I thought I would bring out the All Star Game jersey they released. Uh, I think it was 2017. It uh, was 2017. It was. So, uh, I thought we'd kick it old school this, uh, this week, Kyle.
1: How many of those do you have? Because every time you come in to record, especially now with the student video, everyone gets to see that you're wearing a different jersey every week. Yeah,
0: I've got a bunch. Yeah, uh, I'm unfortunate just gonna part. To start, I'm gonna have to start wearing mine. Dude. I know, right? I feel underdressed. The unfortunate part is that you know hockey jerseys are made for like gear underneath, they're so massive. they're like massive. Yeah. So I look, I look humongous, but
2: uh <laughs> yeah. really yeah. not not humongous.
1: Like we're, I'm a short we're, person, and I have to wear small, and it still looks like big on me.
0: Yeah, it's that's like a, that's a, tra- a problem with hockey
2: jerseys. But it, it's a trash bag for him. But this is the PK Subban purple all star jersey. I mean, it was a statement at the time. Yeah, sure. and
0: I thought I'd, I'd throw in a little statement about PK Subban since he got. uh uh, slew foot call a couple weeks ago which he's kind of been known to do so
2: yeah he had several in in the month I think it was like three and he's only got
0: fined for it and then uh, and um, my boy and then Brian Marchand Marchand got suspended for it uh but so it seems to be a theme around here around the league lately so I thought throw a little nod to Subban on the back as well
1: that leads us into our first topic of the league news tonight and that is Los Angeles Kings Brandon Lemieux has been suspended five games for biting Ottawa's Brady Kachuk
2: Yeah, Matt and I are looking at each other. This was intense. It was. I haven't seen somebody go after somebody like this in a long time. Like the ref, there's literally one in between them, and then there's one on top trying to pull him off. And then in the scrum, like you can see him literally just lean over and bite his hand. And when he pulls up, he's literally like putting it at the ref. And you can see on the video clear bite marks, and it's red. Like it's it's bleeding. Like I'm like, dude it's one thing like to, to have a fight a scrum where it's fair but to bite another player's hand which he also uses to play uh, man absolutely crazy and it runs in the family apparently well
0: so. you can call it like dirty or whatever but honestly if you've got if we're down wrestling and fighting and you put your hands in my mouth I'm probably gonna bite your hand too bro like we're fighting like I'm pissed off at you you put your fingers in my mouth I'm biting them apparently that's
2: the first time a father and son combo have been fined. Or suspended for doing the same exact action because his dad also bit somebody. Yeah. Well, I guess the
1: apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I remember when they were talking about uh, when he was trying to defend himself as what happened. He claims he didn't bite the person that uh, Kachuk's. I guess like a board, his hand hit his mouth as he punched him. Click, no, bro. That's a clear bite mark.
2: Uh, it was pretty obvious on the video, too. Like, I mean, he bit him. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't like, oh, wow, it just magically you came could, in. And you, you could, had clear bite marks, you know I mean? You
0: could tell Kachuk's face, like, he was, like, screaming at the refs. It was, like, a genuine surprise on his face. That was legit. But uh, I guess we compare that because I heard a story back in the day, you know, one of the toughest guys to ever play, Marty McSorley, apparently uh, said that Lem, who was it, Lemieux, or I'm forgetting who it, who it was. It was not Lemieux, it was somebody else. Anyway, another big-name player bit him. And so whoever it was, the player safety office, I think it was Brian Burke at the time, said, okay, we're getting ready to suspend him, but we just got to know, you, you need to tell me that he bit you. And he was like, well, you know, we, we can't say. And ended up what happened was he lied about him biting his finger. He didn't do it, but McSorty's like a dirty uh player like that. So he, he got in the scrum and then he lied to try to get the guy uh suspended about it. And it turns out it was it was just make believe. But this one, uh this one was not make believe. I think this one was legit. So Oh yeah, they got they got it on camera. So I mean this was pretty and like you said, when he got up,
2: his face was genuinely shocked, like, oh my God. Like yeah. this guy like actually bit me. <laughs> like like where are we are on the playground again. You know, I mean it it was definitely genuine shock in his face, but um, I mean, he's going to
1: be out there with his best friend, Brad Marchand, licking people. I know. People. Yeah. I know. By licking gate, people. Lick gay.
2: Lick gay. We've, we've had a lot now, but um, yeah, I mean, it's been a weird week for some weird fines. I, I mean, let me tell
1: you. So Yeah. I mean, we'll move, move on to the Carolina Hurricanes. Coach Rod Brindamore gets fined 25K for inappropriate conduct, which nobody seems to really know
0: what it was. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'll just tell you guys what I know because I I read a couple articles on it. NHL.com had a small article. There was an article on the Athletic. Um, nobody really knows what the deal was. Apparently, you know, I don't remember the details of the game, but coach was pissed off about a couple bad calls, so they were bantering to the refs, you know, like coaches always do. And Brendan Moore is kind of a high profile guy. He'll he'll yell and get his veins popping out of his neck, but uh, some of the his cohorts say that you know he doesn't go across the line. He's just kind of there, knows where he's at, and uh, I think. Whoever the other coach was doing the same thing as well, and they said after the game, uh, he was fine when they did post game presser. He wasn't. He wasn't continuing to talk about it. It's like it was. It was done, and uh, they kept talking about the play of the players. And no referees said that they filed any kind of report. So what he said it remains to be a mystery. And it seems the the referees didn't file a report. So it it seems as though it was some kind of uh, handling of the league. Because apparently, there's mixed reports on him being on, uh, what do you call it, the word protocol? Probation. uh, Probation for some things like this in the past where he's had misconducts with being mean to the refs. But another league source in this article in Athletics said that that's a bunch of hooey, that that doesn't exist. That's just made up. There's no actual standard on the books for that. So... Really, yeah. we have no idea here. It's, it's so weird because, like, lobby
2: didn't get fine. And like you said, the press game was kind of like everyone was just doing their own thing. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, hey, was, do you remember when you said that stupid thing yeah. to the ref in the game? That No one brought that up. Like, I don't know. It's You, you think it would have been addressed immediately afterwards, but, like, nothing has been said. So, I, I, I don't know. Like it's just going to be a weird one for the league and I, I I don't understand why it's so hush-hush and why we haven't heard any details on it. That's my whole yeah, thing. Is especially
0: like, if it came from the league, I would expect some type of like report. Uh, I, the only thing I can think of is that they're really trying to crack down, not only because he has somewhat of a history on it, but also because of the misconduct of coaches lately in the last couple of years, that they're really trying to... Uh, you know, right the wrongs that the league has had a couple of bad calls lately. So they're trying to get ahead of the game in, in some ways. Uh, I don't know. But punishing people for, you know, chewing the refs out. No,
1: I mean, refs are human. You make bad calls. We see in every sports league, the NHL is not by itself in bad officiate. It's just that we have a much clearer time of seeing ours compared to the other sports.
2: Yeah, this th- this has just been strange overall. Like I said, I, I would have expected to see more info on it. Um, even just doing our digging, we didn't get much, so I guess it's just going to be cut and dry. He's going to get fined, and the league's going to move on. Um, kind of a strange one, though. And uh, I mean, it has everybody kind of shaking their head, you know, kind of like, what you know, is this going to be the standard moving forward? I, I mean. I I thought like we were supposed to have transparency now for certain yeah. things. That That's kind of like my thing is like if something does happen, I, I think I would kind of want to know the details. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, um, especially
0: if you're going to hold coaches to a level of accountability with that transparency. Well, then you need to know what the line is because, OK, you slap them on the wrist. But where was the line? Now you haven't really uh, been transparent enough to broadcast that around the league that this particular set of words won't be tolerated. You didn't say any of the specifics. So we're still kind of a question mark going forward.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, like other coaches could look at that and be like, oh, okay, that was fineable. Like, maybe I shouldn't do that or tone that back. Kind of like you said, there's no set standard. So I don't know. It, it feels like the league is kind of grasping at straws right now for standardized fines. And the, I mean, like going back to the Chicago Blackhawks, too. So um, it's interesting to see what's going to become of this. But I really hope the league can just start cracking down on like standardized punishments, and fines for things, and have clear rules and guidelines set. It just seems really weird right now. So, but twenty five thousand. I mean, here we are. Uh, I, I'm sure that's a little small, small number for him. But what is a big number is the selling of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh yeah, it wasn't like nine hundred million dollars. Yeah, something so, like that. So my my man's out there. He bought it for one hundred million dollars back in the day. They win like three cups, and then he turns around and sells this thing for nine hundred million. Can they you said, believe that? I they mean, they this said is that is
1: the most an NHL team is sold for, and it raised the bar because before this, I think it was like they bought, they sold this
0: team for like five hundred k, five hundred million more than what the last team sold for. It. Well, that's that's the way. Not only is Pittsburgh such a historic franchise, but. As the leagues get older, ten or fifteen year, in ten or fifteen years, when the next team is sold, it will set the record. Likely, actually, we might
1: see Arizona get sold soon. Uh, they're not going to be well. I tell high what, as Penguins, th- that, though.
0: that made some news today. I saw on Twitter, some guy said uh, the rumor is they're thinking about moving, and then somebody else came back and said, "No, that's not happening." And Elliot Friedman retweeted that and said, "No, that's not happening." The owner said, "We're staying in in uh, Arizona." But at this point, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to be hush-hush about it. And maybe there actually was a report that he was putting some feelers out to sell. But once again, we still have no idea. It's just mixed reports.
1: Now, one thing that was hush-hush, and I was actually listening to the 32 Thoughts podcast the other day, and Friedman said that the Montreal Canadiens almost went 48 hours without a single word being leaked that GM Bergeman and several other high-ranking members of the Canadiens were ousted. And that's a shocker because he's been with that team for right at a decade. And they said the initial report was that he was just tired and he was ready to go. But this whole move completely blindsided him.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's more to the story than just him being ready to move on. I think they have fallen out uh, of uh, favor with some of the senior staff there. I think I've heard some reports that they were hand in hand for years. And then they seem to have fallen out lately in the last couple of years over over certain issues. So that's what led to it. I mean, nothing comes out of the blue for no reason. There, there was a reason. It kind of seems like they're cleaning house,
2: too. They have had a rough start to the season. And you got to think, too, this is a team that made the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, yeah. I did preface that that was an incredible run. Okay? Like, you snuck in as like a 16th seed and you happen to get there. It, it happened to work out. So I'm not calling them, you know, like complete cup contenders, but they have fallen from the Stanley Cup to almost last in the league. I mean, they're they're 29th and their goal differential right now is minus 30.
0: Yeah. I had heard that, you know, we said, well, how can, how can there be such a falling out after they did so well last year? But I had heard that it had taken place. These falling out between Bergevin and Gorton specifically has been happening since before the cup run. So it's been kind of in the works for a few years. I don't know the the details of how far it was, but it's kind of been in the works. It's just kind of the final straw that broke the camel's back. And, uh, you know, they're gonna have to find somebody to replace there in Montreal. And, uh, it's not the first time. I think uh, the Canucks were talking about it the other day. They're kind of making, maybe making some some big moves. There's a lot of big moves in the front office lately. And uh, Montreal, that is a massive hockey void right there. So they have a lot of specifics in Montreal, like with the coaching staff there. I know that is it the coach or the I think it's the coach has to speak French. Like they have a tradition of of hiring French Canadian people. And
1: I mean, like they even said the next GM they want to be bilingual.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They have they have like a history of being cultural pride with, with being Quebec and, and French and and that's just part of their French. of their organization really. So when you do that though, we talk about coaches in the leagues and, and how many are available. When you take that pool of five or six possible candidates between GM and coach and you talk about which ones speak French, okay, it's now you're slim. talking like one or two people yeah, though. It's, it's you really limit slim. your options.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they end up trying to get somebody from one of the like, you know, well, it happened, though, but I would not be surprised if they said, oh, we're getting this guy out for one of the junior teams to come up or, you know, an AHL team that can be bi-
0: bilingual since you I said that pool was so our, small.
2: Yeah, it could be already in their system. Like,
0: I mean, it could be an affiliate of, of the Montreal. One of them was an AHL affiliate. I can't yeah. remember the guy's name. I've heard two or three names out there, but they weren't people that I, you know, know anything about. Yeah. Well, speaking of also falling from grace,
2: and I don't know what is going on here, but Matt, the New York Islanders. I mean, you post a little short video on our YouTube channel about this. Like, what is happening with them? Like, you're talking Trotsy up there, have this team rolling. This is another team that, uh, let's see, they made the Western Conference Finals, correct? Against the Bolts. Uh, and played well against the Bolts. And they are, I, I mean, they're in the dumpster right now. They're minus 20 goal differential. <laughs> minus 20 goal differential, and they're 30th
0: in the league. Well... Uh, let me tell you. All right, so I was going to say this. League, this year is very interesting. You look at the bottom of the of the division. So, like Ottawa, Arizona, Vancouver are at the bottom of their divisions, and they're trash. The bottom of the leagues this year, or bottom of the divisions, are garbage. But the Islanders are in the bottom of their division as well. But I I exclude them from that category. They've had so much uh, COVID protocol. Now they're postponing games, but they've had uh, people being out due to COVID protocol for a while. Uh, I really think that was the major reason why they haven't had success. They haven't had their main guys in. Now they've been postponing the last two games. I think they're on track to either play tonight or the next night, maybe tomorrow, whenever that is. I think they said they're ready to go again. But honestly, this team should not. It's it's very surprising to see them in the bottom of the bin like this. Not used to seeing that with my Islanders lately. I don't know what it is. You could say it's a player problem. I'm going to attribute it to COVID protocols. If not, I don't have the answer. I did, che- I did check their power play is dead last, which is a little shocking considering well, some of their, their talent on the team. It doesn't surprise me because it's not a team that scores a lot, so I really wouldn't expect them to be too killer on the power play. They they tend to play shut it down. It's small offense, small defense. Uh, I don't know. Even their PK is dead center of the league. It's just weird times
2: for up there. So hopefully they can steer the ship around. You know, I think maybe once they get all their key pieces back, everyone's healthy. You know, yeah, ready to is, go. It should be going. And on top of it, they've played less games, too. I, I mean, we got to keep that in mind. So, yeah, point percentage-wise, they're in the dumpster, but they've played only 17 games, I believe.
0: Yeah, this is just, if you look at the teams and say, well, we're disappointed in them, this is a team that, if you had to take a vote around the league, this is a team that people still believe would have a shot at the playoffs, so they can, they can turn it around. Other teams are done, but the Islanders, not quite done yet.
2: This is extremely low, so Kyle pulled this up on our sh- screen here. So, Barzell through 17 games, only has eight points. That's that's really bad for him. I mean, I, I was expecting him to yeah. be out, but he's actually played every single game. So you definitely have some underperforming, and then on top of it, you do have, you know, the, basically the blender for lines with the COVID protocol. But, uh, I mean, I hope for Trotsy's sake, he can steer the ship really quick once everyone gets healthy, because, I mean... It's just very shocking. You have two teams that were deep playoff run teams. And now like you're literally talking in the basement. Um, so I, I, I really don't know what's going on. So hopefully they can get it into gear. But you've already dug yourself a pretty uh, pretty deep hole. So it's going to be hard to come back from.
1: I will say, talking about the playoffs, reminded me of Toronto Maple Leafs. They're on tear right now. And oh, yeah. Austin Matthews shaved that mustache
0: off finally. Thank God. Uh, yeah, good looking kid. He's a millionaire, but that mustache, I know he's going to shave it back. So some backstory, he, he raised some money for charity for Movember for some men's health charities. I think he raised uh, $148,000 for charity. And due to that, he's going to shave off his mustache. He already shaved off his mustache. I'm going to assume he's going to grow it back, but I'm just going to uh, relish in the fact that he looks like a, a nice gentleman now instead of uh, something crazy. And he had a couple goals the other night. Uh, might have brought him some good luck. He might keep it shaved off. You know, I don't know. He should because you take his mustache and the way
1: Patrick
2: Lani looks right now, Ooh. it's terrible. Ooh. Two beauties. No, mm. no. He came in the other day with like those phaser beam glasses on <laughs> with his hair slicked back, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but he looks like he's showing up for a WWE wrestling match. Yeah. I mean, looks he, like he's going through a midlife crisis early. Yeah, yeah, he he did not look like a hockey player showing up to the rink. I'll put it like that. So
1: I want to talk about one thing for as we get into the Preds talk. And that is the Preds released their stadium series jersey. The Bolts released theirs. What are your initial impressions of the Nashville's jersey?
0: Well, um, I think the universal uh, feeling is that it's kind of trash. It's garbage. Yeah, I don't want to put it too fine a point, but uh, let me go ahead and do you a solid and make it concise. They suck. I, th- I don't think I've seen anything
2: positive online. i yeah. like that. I mean, I-, I will say that if you go back, I am not a huge fan of most of the stadium series jerseys. It's a very modern format. Um, apparently, and I have something that I can read from Adidas on this, but apparently there is rhyme or reason to their designs too, but uh, they just, they just never have resonated with me. A lot of the stadiums. There's been a couple good ones. I like the Philly one, uh, Philly versus uh, Pittsburgh. Those that are was, good ones. Those are good ones. It was basically almost like really bright neon colors of what they had with dark accents. Didn't really like the cap. The caps was okay. The avalanche one, okay. I, I mean, the the Detroit one a few years ago, it's just like a fancy, you know, modern D font with almost like a sash coming through. It, it, it's just kind of weird. But like this one is very interesting
0: for the, uh, the Predators. So... If you want, I can read this. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about what it looks like for the listeners before we get into the details of it. So to me, it looks like a, a hostage note that you 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 put the little alphabets and you and you put them on a paper. That's what it looks like because the font doesn't match the size uh, that the text is supposed to be laid out on it. It's like too big for the text box. It, it overextends the borders of the text line. And it looks like uh, the two middle letters, M and, M and A, are coming out from the rest of the word because their smash is like behind the MNA. It it looks really weird. It, it definitely is throwing me off.
2: Well, the because the S is behind the M, like for those watching on YouTube, uh, I mean, the, you can see it. Um, and also the C is very, very close and in the corner. Um, you've removed basically the pick guard, you know, uh, the crest on the shoulders to the very middle Which, honestly, I wish they would have kind of just leaned more into that for the front, but is what it is. Um, We haven't seen the pants, and we haven't seen the bucket. So, what's your speculation on that? Are we going navy? I hope to God we're going navy buckets with this. I mean, wouldn't you assume navy? Probably. I mean, I would hope. I mean, if you you wear a gold one with that, I don't... I, mm. I look at this, and I go, Navy.
1: I have always liked Nationals navy, navy jerseys. My favorite is the Navy checkerboard jersey of all the gold.
2: It's Navy and the, silver, baby. The Na-
1: Navy looks fantastic. I think it should be either permanent third. I look at this and I'm going, that's a nice Navy jersey. And then Matt, I agree with your point. The text looks all messed up. It's yeah. going over the owl just a tad, and then it's like the text was carved up. And okay. To me, as I told as I told somebody on the phone earlier, I said this looks like it was a last minute project that was submitted unfinished. And it's kind of like, you couldn't do anything better. I'm like, my wife's a graphic a graphic design person. She could have done better on this.
2: Yeah, so this was the official thing. And basically, they said there was two main things for these. They do oversized graphics for the Stadium Series because it's easier to read. Um, Hold on. Let's look at the Bolts jersey right next to it. it that's like half the font size. Exactly. So why couldn't you do the same font size for the Nashville jersey? Okay. So then we move on to the uh, the whole like that. You know, they wanted to do apparently the mismatched. Uh, what was really throwing Matt off and also me off is the mismatched basically sizes on the letterpress. Apparently, that goes back to Nashville's rich history of uh, basically like music posters and and, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So so basically, what rich history this is, is that, a, bro. the player's name and number, of font digits and characters of different widths and heights, as seen when mismatched letterpress blocks are used in letterpress music posters. So basically, if you
0: have to explain it, yeah, then it doesn't work.
2: Here's the deal: I, I've lived in Nashville my entire life. I wouldn't have known that that was yeah. a letterpress block. I, I wouldn't and have see, either. That's just that's it's, just that's just my thing. Is like it felt like Adidas was like really like. Oh, let's get his like down in like into Nashville's history. And they come up with this letterpress thing for music posters. That doesn't really, I, no, like, I don't get it. Like well, I said, it, it's, and that's, that's what you you see how it's like offset. Uh, that's literally Adidas said that that's their mentality is they wanted it offset.
1: And then if you look at the guitar pick, so this is a, this is basically a Tennessean thing is that our actual flag has the three stars that are offset. The purpose being that no region of Tennessee is on top of the other. And they flipped it and made it symmetrical, and it just looks off. You know, you see that on your flag, and you're thinking, you could have just kept that the same way.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It, it just really felt like they were trying really, really hard. Um,
0: they, they Adi, like a-
2: Adidas went really hard in the paint. But when you have to release something like this to explain it, and then even somebody from Nashville is like,
0: I said the I, same I, thing I, about I didn't know. the story of why we're called the Predators. If you look into it, supposedly they found some bones of an old saber-toothed tiger in the Nashville area. It was something. supposed to be
1: when they were, when they were when digging they
0: were It when was were for the Bridgestone. Yeah, yeah.
2: That, that's actually... But like, the
0: thing is, you don't know that story unless you're trying to find out why did they name their team that. It's not as like, entrenched in local history and lore as you would think. Well, I think everyone
2: who followed the team from the beginning
0: knew that I, I but, don't know about that uh, I mean I did and okay. I, I was there from the beginning
2: I mean I literally went to like the fifth game ever but the thing is though I, like this is uh, you gotta think that's at least tied with the hockey club do you know what I mean like that is tied with Nashville well, yeah. in general I and like I'm how, like, like I don't
0: the music, the guitar pick, it okay, get it, sure that that makes sense. You don't yes. have to explain it to me, but, but the, the letter thing, font thing, yeah. I, I agree with you. That does not make any sense. I, I don't, to me. Ma- I, and I, even yeah. if it doesn't, even if it does or does not make sense, it looks like trash. They should have called it a Trashville.
1: It really does because you take like the uh, the winter classic jerseys we have, perfect. Those are uh, amazing. Those and are then good. I
2: get this, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah. But once again, I had to temper my. I had to temper because I'm like, oh, a navy jersey, finally. But also at the same time, too, the other day I was like, this is a Stadium Series jersey. I haven't really liked almost any Stadium Series. Jer- I really haven't. Like, there's only like two or three that I've actually enjoyed a- a- and would have purchased. But unfortunately, now this one is ha- going to have to go in my collection because I'm collecting all the jerseys. But at the same time, too, it's just it's going to yeah. go. It's going to go in the back of the closet, never to be seen again. I'll bring it out on special occasion, maybe for parties, but it might not be at the game. I'll put it like that. Yeah. I-, I would rather wear my 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 winter classic one because the other night I was wearing my winter classic one with my winter classic hat and I was like, this is pretty fly. Like, you know, like this jersey's pretty legit. Like Yeah, you're not gonna wanna you're not gonna wanna rock that one. Uh uh-uh. uh, you know, I am just saying. That's just it's me. It's interesting though. I did have somebody text
1: me while we were recording um and said that. This jersey, they actually like it. And they're not a hockey fan. They looked at it and they like it. But, well, they're not a hockey
0: fan. But
2: that's the whole... I, like, I, I think that's why I don't like the Stadium Series jerseys is they're so modern and just like, here you go, that I don't like them. Like, I, I just don't. I mean, we got back on this rant before the show started and I'm like, I didn't really like Detroit's, um, you know, they modernized modernized jersey. I didn't like some of the other ones. that You don't like the Avs one because it looked like a bib. I, I'm okay with it, but uh, it, it's one of those things like...
0: They should have done a focus group and said, "Here's here's a hundred random fans. Let's see uh, what we think about these two or three designs. Which one do you like the best?" It seems like that was bypassed just because who Adidas or whatever said, "Oh yeah, we got you, bro." So yeah, I we're gonna have to we're gonna have to transition to something else, boys, because I cannot possibly look at this jersey any longer. You got to bring me back up, Kyle. Give me some hope here. Let's talk about Philip Forsberg.
1: The man is killing it. He is in our top five Preds for this episode. He ranks at number five. He's got 15 points, 10 goals and five assists. And four of those goals came Tuesday night against the Blue Jackets. Bro. Dude is insanely good. And you know what, guys? It's a contract year. And Matt, <laughs> just as it always says, contract years, they'll put the
2: numbers up and he's going on a big contract at the end of the day. He He came back from IR with like vengeance. It yeah. was like, it was six goals immediately. And I'm like,
0: what happened? Like we just think, we blinked and I'm like, hello. Like I think it was his first one that got called back, and I think that pissed him off after they called it, waved it back. So he said, All right, I'm gonna go on a tear and show y'all I'll call my goal back. So uh
2: yeah. So I will point out though that night, even in the postgame pressure, the person who was basically feeding him for all those primary goals, guess what? Mikhail Granlin, and they were incredible passes. Oh, he yes. basically basically Forbesborg came out and said, Um, he made it very easy for me. He said, he literally looked into the audience with all the 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 press there and said, I'm pretty confident two of those goals you guys could have put in the back of the net. Because they were, I mean, they were absolute beauty, uh, well, beauty of a dish. Uh, I mean, they, they were incredible. But that said, I mean, like the first one was a snipe short side. I'm sure you saw that one, Matt. I, I mean, some oh, of these it was, are- It was beautiful. These are high level plays too. And you're sitting there looking at it and like all of a sudden it was like, you know, oh, he's coming back. Well- You know, he had been on IR, so this is definitely favoring the Preds situation, you know, and then all of a sudden it was just like, boom, 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 another one, another one, and then here we go. Like, all of a sudden I started seeing dollar signs, (laughs) like, just racking up, and like his agents probably sitting back there, you know, just like, oh, yes, just, just rain this beautiful bonus that I'm about to get for the commission of your check because... It's going to be hard pressed now, and I know like Adam Vingen also had an article saying like where he didn't want to resign him, and he said, "Of course, now this go he just goes off as soon as he comes off on IR, making this very complicated." So he had to write a secondary article, basically like coming out with more pros to it's. It is going to be very interesting now, and we'll see if he can keep this up, and also can he still stay healthy the rest of the year?
1: I mean, we'll see. Tonight, as we're recording this, the president getting ready to play the Bruins. Craig Smith's coming back to town. Craig Nog, baby. Break out your Craig Nog just in time for Christmas. So you're talking about Mikhail Granlin, 25 points, 5 goals, 20 assists in 22 games. Yeah.
0: On fire to the point that you guys probably haven't seen this. He's actually fifth in the league in assists right now. Really? I saw that
2: the other night and I was like, it is absolutely impressive. I started seeing the names that he was with and I'm like, Well, I I don't know what he's at eight this year, but his passing has been phenomenal. Yeah, he's looked a beauty. Like, and he's not just playing, uh, uh, this kind of goes with that two-way play. He's playing the penalty kill. He has been great on the back check. Like, he is literally playing every aspect of the game incredible right now. This looks to be an incredible signing from last year. Like, he is everything we wanted him to be. And also at more of a bargain price than uh, some of the other players. I mean, so those four assists he got, uh, I've got notes here to say he collected primary
1: assists on each of Forsberg's goal. That's the 12th time in NHL history that's happened. So that's a very elite club of all the players. And then what do we think about Matt Duchesne? 24 points, 13
2: goals, ah, 11 assists in 22 games. He's on fire as well. Um, So I'm going to read this. So prior to that Saturday's game, the Predators had three players. It was Matt Duchesne, Roman Yossi, and Mikhail Granlin with 20-plus points. It is the first time in our team history that we've ever had that happen. So we had three players at the 20-game mark at a point per game or higher pace.
0: Absolutely crazy. It's it's like a tale of two teams because we say, oh man, the Preds are so hot right now, but where's the stat here on my sheet? I think it took, uh, let's see, the Predators, yeah, it took you guys 19 games before you ever led after the second period. Mm-hmm. And then now, on fire. Even depth scoring from players you wouldn't yeah. expect. Yeah. Guy comes off IR on fire.
2: Well, we started the season really slow again. Remember, yeah. like we did. And then we went on that really good stretch on the road game. And then here recently, it's been kind of like, we've been hovering around 500, slightly above with the last games. But we had some several tough opponents. We dropped the one against, um, obviously, the, the Leafs that won. We dropped the one against the Avs. Um, I'll tell you what the though. clunker game was Vegas I mean I was there at that game absolutely terrible but then when we when we came back got a practice in oh my the I know uh, I mean it looked like a totally different team and it leads me to the question that I asked
1: that you guys saw before we started the show is that you know we're talking about these losses to the teams like t- Toronto and Colorado and we like you said Dan we get that clunker to Vegas and then we turn around and stomp the blue jackets
0: what's the real team well, i tell you what, the one thing that sticks out to me, which I find interesting, because uh, I like to do betting and stuff, so I like to look in stats, and something that jumps out about me at the Preds is that the Preds, I think, have almost the same record in a way as they do at home stadiums this year. Uh, most of the teams do by far worse on the road, and Preds seem to be doing uh, equally as well. I don't know what that is, but I, and, it, and it even makes it even harder to figure out which is the real team. We talked about it the other day. Did Toronto give the Predators a butt whooping and show the Preds who they really are? I don't think so because Toronto had won like 10 out of 11 games or had got points in 10 out of the last 11 games or something. They were on fire. So I don't think that's true. I, I, it's always like somewhere in the middle. It's never quite as drastic as you think. They're somewhere in the middle. They, yeah. yeah, they had a really bad start. Yeah, they got whooped once or twice, but they're somewhere in the middle. If you look at where they are in the standings where we like... uh Fourth place in the Central, maybe? Fifth place? We are currently third, third in the Central. Actually. Oh, so even better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, you see? I've got it right up there. Okay, third well place. done. Well done, Kyle.
2: No, it's... But point percentage-wise, there is like one or two teams... Like the Avs have played less games than us, so I would assume that they would take the third spot once they get to the point that we're at. So it's one of those... And kind of to my point, like I said, the last couple games have been up and down. Like they've had a win, a loss, a win, a loss, and they're trying to buck that trend hopefully tonight and get two wins in a row. Um, that said, it's just been very interesting to see the progression of some of these players. Cause like you actually are starting to see like legitimate point per game players on the predators, which I don't know how long it's been since we've had it. I mean, like it, it's crazy to think at this point in the season that we're still keeping up like that. Um, that said though, Roman Yossi is still from the, the, uh, the thick of things, apparently like second or third right now in the Norris trophy talks, because, um, I think, uh, what was it? Ekblad might be up there currently cause he caught up to Yossi and goals. So that's an interesting race to look at. I mean, like look at even Ryan Johansson, 22 games, 18 points. That's definitely way better than what he's been doing the last several years. I mean, that that's a lot better.
0: I will say, uh, so a point of contention we always have. Here's another unique take on the Predators is that they're third place in power play this year in the league. They're shooting at a 28.6% chance, number one in the league on power play inner slot shots. It's high danger chances. This is a is a contentious point. We've always nagged the Preds in years previous about their power play. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... I believe honestly, I'm kind of shocked as a league as a whole how well the uh, the special teams are. Teams are very high in penalty kill and power play this year. If you look at the bottom the bottom of the list, outside of like the bottom two teams, everybody's doing pretty well in special teams. But we're not used to seeing that out of the Predators, and that's another key to their success this year around.
2: Yeah, I mean it's almost awkward to be talking about it because we're like, don't jinx it because yeah. we never yeah. we never have this. Like it's funny, like when the power play comes on right now, I actually get excited. I know. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, I'm actually getting excited for the power play. But the thing that has been noticeably different is, too, the the movement on the power play has been so much crisper. And also, guess who's been quarterback in that? Mikhail Granlin. And guess who's been getting the goals? Either Forsberg or Duchesne. And guess who is on that same unit with Mikhail Granlin? Forsberg and Duchesne for that top unit.
0: Yeah, as, as far as passing and distribution, I'm seeing the Predators this year do a lot of Developing plays behind the net, and I yes. really love that style of offense. It's a lot more sharp and crisp, and uh, counter uh, counterintuitive to the way some of the other most of the other teams play. And I, I just think that gives a more dynamic look. And especially considering it's kind of the opposite of the way the Preds used to always do things from the point. So it's at least another look. And hey, you try something new, you get a different result. And and we're we're liking it so far.
1: Sometimes though, I've noticed, especially in the Toronto games and the Colorado games, which we had those really bad losses. If they start facing some adversity. They are tend to fall back into that
2: habit just a bit of doing a lot of dump and chase, which just makes the situation worse. Well, it seems like, too, after those losses, like Hines even focused. He said, like, we can't do that. We need to get crisper on our zone exit. So, like, that practice, they came back and practiced specifically that. And then they came out against Columbus and absolutely throttled them. I mean, honestly, Merzinga got like, he did fairly well in goal that first period, and he still got pulled with three goals against him hung. And he probably could have had another two or three because there was two or three wide open ones that just didn't go, that he made great saves on. Uh, so uh, it's one of those things, if they can kind of string together that mentality of that fast, uh, up to, you know, like clean zone exits. They've been playing, that game they played such solid defense. They would they would four check well, get the, bo- uh, the puck off the board, and it was a quick zone exit. And they were off to the races. And it was Forsberg, Fort Duchesne, streaking down the ice and then they were dumping it in either and then Mikael Grandlin somehow ended up on a stick the entire night and was just serving it up. I mean, it it was incredible to watch. And then, of course, you still have that threat of the power play like Matt said. They're playing very physical. They want to play physical for a reason too because they're trying to draw those penalties now to get on the power play. Isn't that crazy? We're playing physical to draw those penalties because we're actually good at the power play for once. So, I, I mean... We're, we're five on five, the goals have to improve. They they just do. But you have to be extremely excited about the power play right now.
1: Oh, yeah. And I want to talk real quick about the defense because, you know, Roman Yossi's good. Ekholm's good. Carrier has been killing it so far this season. The one defenseman outside of the six that I'm seeming to have an issue of not really noticing now is Fabro, And it's like, what's happened to him? So I've got on here that, you know, he comes straight out of Boston University. He's never been to the AHL. Now, for those who don't know how this normally works, if you have a player who comes out of juniors or NCAA, they're more than likely going to go to the AHL first, get used to it, and then get their call-up for a couple of games, see how they're doing, send back down. Fabro has skipped this completely. He has went straight from Boston U to the Preds. He replaced Subin because you know, we had the trade students, Subin to get his contract off. And the first couple of seasons, he had an 11, 12-point season Okay, but now this third season, 22 games in, he's only got four points. What's going on with him?
2: Well, I, I mean, we have a couple players like this. We have Fabro and Tolvanen that just aren't seeing it on the score sheet. I, I, I mean, they just aren't. Um, When you have a night like the other night where Forsberg is just dominating the game and taking over, uh, like you're seeing a very top-heavy team right now with the players that should be scoring are scoring and they're doing what they need to do. But that means some of these other players, the secondary ones, like the the bottom line ones, are not getting the the, the scoring that you would expect. Now, Tolvanen's almost even a, a more a crazy anomaly because he's been moved to the top line too. And guess what? He's still getting good plus minuses because he's on the ice for some of the goals. And he's been getting several assists, but he just hasn't been getting the goals. Um, I, I don't know. So the same thing can be said for... Fabro, like he's been doing everything well like I haven't seen him on the ice where he's done a stupid mistake where I'm like get off the ice like you know some of our traffic cones like Harper (laughs) that got sent for conditional on a conditional loan well my condition is that he stays but that said like I haven't I haven't seen anything like that while watching the game where I'm like Fabro, you just messed up dude you know what I mean like he's still responsible in the defensive end but he's just not lighting it up on the scoring sheet that's for sure like it's just not there do you think, though, that if Fabro doesn't,
1: I guess, show up on the score sheet anymore, that he'll get swapped with Carrier and start playing with Ekholm
2: and move Carrier to playing with Yossi? I don't know, but they've played Carrier in both spots with Yossi and Ekholm this year, and he's done well. Because remember earlier in the year, I pointed that out from Money Puck, Yeah, is both lines, no matter where Carrier was at, he was doing well with Yossi and Ekholm. I think at one point, they were both top 10 or top 15 in the league for the defensive pairing, and that was Carey on both lines, which that was a great sign. That means you can put him anywhere and be fine with it. If you drop Fabro down to one of the others or the third pair, you know, so be it. I've been liking Burrow in there. I tell you what, that's my that's Matt's boy, yeah. let me tell you. So, we've seen some good, hard, physical play from Burrow. Uh, I've definitely liked that over um, Myers and Harpor, obviously, for several reasons because I've seen some, which game was it that Burrow
0: just like ran that dude over the other day he's done it twice uh, twice lately and one was last week yeah, I, don't, I don't remember which which uh, match it was but
2: yeah he, he's just a big physical play it was a Columbus game too because like he ended up flipping the dude and then they came after him and there was two guys and he threw the oh, one to the right. ice and then he took the other one off and then we ended up getting a power play from it because there was two people fighting one player so like that's the thing and it was a clean hit too like it was, oh, yeah. it was a legal hit he still had the puck so it's one of those things. It's been nice to see that physical play. I mean, and speaking of physicality, I mean, let's go back to Ekholm the other night, getting smacked in the face
0: and, and just bleeding uh, from Landeskog. So I, th- I thought about putting a poll up on Twitter to see what people thought about that. Did they think that Eckholm got uh, got beat? Did they think he didn't get his fair share? Was it was it a dirty play? What'd you guys think about that? Well, I can tell you right away. A lot of people thought it was a dirty play by Landeskog because
2: he
1: didn't have time to get his gloves off. And they're like, come on, yeah. you're going to fight. Get the gloves off. At
2: least don't just go after yeah. him. That was the general consensus around the league. Like not even pride's fans. Okay, is good. What I saw was like, he, here's the deal. Like I'm all for the fight, but it's gotta be like, you know, both parties need to be engaged and ready to go. Like, Ekholm was not ready and it just was like a sucker punch. I think you can tell
0: that by the surprise on his face was like, like seriously, come on, bro. And and I think that's, I I agree. That's what I felt as well. Seeing it happen, he kind of, excuse me, his head was down when it happened. He, He, you know, he didn't really have time to react. It was almost like a sucker punch. And I call him I, he's not like the best fighter, but he, he's a big defenseman. He can fire you. He can hold up there. And he was, he was getting down in the scrum. He knew what was about to happen. He just didn't get, expect to... Uh, get sucker punched. Sucker punched. <laughs> and it made it worse because he... That visor, I think. Hit something it, like, cut his forehead and he was bleeding like a stuck oh. pig. I had, as, it had to be the visor. It had to be. As soon as I saw the
1: blood, though, I was like, oh, I was like, we're getting a power play out of this. There's blood on the ice. And then we turn around. They're like, oh, Landis Gog's getting, what, two? He got a five. And then gave him a 10. And
0: Yeah, I was like, man, people think you're going to look at that and think he absolutely got owned because of the blood, but it had to be a visor or like an inboard or something. It was kind of hard to tell. I couldn't really tell where it came from, but this area right here is just like, if you break skin, you're going to bleed a lot.
2: So, I mean, this is what it is, but yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. he he looked awesome. I mean, like there's a picture of him like, like shocked looking at the refs (laughs) and he's just got blood coming down his face and I was like. He looks like Rambo, first blood, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked pretty I, good for I, a hockey player. Vi- I mean, you know, you
0: see it all the time. You're like... Yeah, call, just- call me brutal, but I love seeing blood on the ice, man. It just <laughs> reminds me of the glory days of hockey. So I'm okay with it. I don't care if it's your boy or not. I like, throw me some blood, sacrifice to the hockey gods, okay? They're way back old school style. So I like to see it. It was definitely, uh, definitely, hadn't seen that in a while, so.
1: I was telling somebody the other day, they were asking about, you know, what kind of protection hockey players get because of how like easily injured they can get sometimes. And we were talking about slashing because you know, CNHL is really cracking down that slashing rule this year and cross checking. It's like you barely touch them with the stick and they're like in the box. And I was telling the person, I said, well, if you look at the gloves, I said, the glove stops about like right here. And then the Jersey that's like, but right here, you can get like You've got no padding, so yeah. if they whack you with that stick. Yeah. You're going to feel it. Well,
0: the players know that. That's why they particularly uh, picked a couple three or four spots that where they know is the weak weak area, and uh yeah, it well, happens And a that's lot. why they're
2: cracking down this year. Yeah.
0: And you you can tell that that and
2: the cross-check, there's been several that, like, I mean, the players really complain. Like, I've seen some Preds complaining, but I'm like, at the same time, too, you knew that's the new rule. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can't be upset when you do it. Like, if it's just a little tap on the hand, they're going to call it, dude. Like, and that new cross check, you, it's got to be a certain way, an angle. It's got to be with the, the the stick, you know, like... Yeah, I you can't, can't, I can't not, escape somebody and just straight up back of the stick like that? Yeah, not anymore. Um, yeah, it's like Tusken... Hockey's Tus- a dangerous sport,
0: dude. Tusken Raider, these people, You yeah. get cross checked in the end boards, like, you could, like, break your neck, bro. It, hockey's brutal. I, people kind of... Everyone, we make it look pleasant. Everybody's skating around on ice like we're figure skating, but it's it's freaking well, brutal. Well, I mean out like there. the
2: one playoff year where Kevin Fiala got like just bumped a little bit and he yeah. slid completely into the end board and broke his femur. Yeah, a like, couple years ago, I mean, uh
0: Chara uh, hit a guy into the half wall and I think it was in the playoffs and he I think he hurt his spine. I think he had to have surgery and they were calling for him to get arrested because they were they were that furious with that play and it wasn't like too terrible, but like you're talking about ending a guy's career with, with little hits like this. So it can get serious pretty quick. So I'm a fan of seeing the league crack down a little bit. I like that old school stuff. You can give me the fights. I'll, I'll trade you, Kyle. I'll let you crack down the cross checking on those on those type of penalties. But you give me a stand up fight where two guys want to go at it and let me see some blood and, and we'll call it a deal.
1: I'll go with you that. And your Subin jersey reminds me during the 2017 playoffs, which by the way, if you notice, I'm actually wearing gold tonight for one of the first times. Nice.
2: With a twenty-seven, what's going on? You both yeah. have twenty-seventeen. Twenty-seventeen is just you in know. Tonight. This is
1: the my jacket's covering up, but it's got the team on the back of it. Oh, dude, there's like four players left in the twenty-seventeen that are still there.
0: Yeah, you showed me that. That was Bro. it's like everybody's names marked if off. Got, not there. Not you got there.
2: Elite players like P. A. Parento <laughs> and. Harry Zolnerchuk. Oh, and, I haven't heard some of these names and in so long. Freddie Gaudreau. Vernon the black, Fiddler. The, the black Eight. A- Vernon Fiddler, dude. I laughed so hard when I read that. I'm like, man, this 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 lineup was hilarious because we had so many injuries. Cody McLeod was still on the team. Your your Highlanders, the scrapper. That was Matt's original. that's the OG scrapper for for Matt. Um Cody McLeod, no no front teeth, just flaming red hair hockey just, guy just, baby just a hockey guy yeah
1: well, see it made me think about during when we were in I think it was like game one or two we were in Pittsburgh and Crosby and Subin get into it and Subin's on the ice and Crosby literally picks him up and just shoves oh, him yeah. into the ice Yeah, he's like, pushing
2: his, his face down in yeah, there and I like they that. didn't call anything on it and I'm like yeah so many good memories from that 2017 run but yeah that that list is crazy I think there was like only six players that were left from that entire roster Uh, From 2017. I mean, it's absolutely crazy, the turnover on the team that we've had. But we did embrace the youth movement, so. We did.
1: I want to ask now, we talked about Forsberg earlier, and this episode title is actually Forsberg, you know, number four. But with as well as he's doing, he's playing the Bruins tonight, and we'll see tomorrow how he's done. If he continues having breakout games like this, what does GMTP do? I mean, you can't let a guy like that go... Go for
2: free on the market if you don't sign him, dude. This, uh, uh like I said, it, the the situation is getting more complicated because, like, like I alluded to earlier in the episode, when he was on IR, it favored the Preds. Matt and I both agreed on that. It favored the Preds a little bit because you got a little bit more leverage. Now he's coming back and he's on fire. I mean, like three games back, six goal. He's averaging two goals a game coming back yeah, from IR. But, he's not gonna. He's not gonna continue that. Yeah. But that said, I mean, he comes back and makes a statement. Okay. He's basically catching up for the time that he was gone. Okay, uh, stat-wise, um, it is oh, th- this. It just gets so complicated because at this point now the Preds are third in the division, so we're technically still battling for a playoff spot. Um, we aren't in the basement like some people thought we were going to be in a rebuild. So you're kind of in limbo and then on top of it it's like you don't want him to wait till the end of the year obviously because you don't want him to go to market so it would behoove us to sign him very soon i like, think we're absolutely going to sign
1: him i think gntp is going to get scared and sign him
2: well here's my here's my deal like this is the problem is you either need to sign him very soon while he's trying to get up here and rack up his his price even higher or You're looking at it from the other opposite end, and you have an asset here just racking up points and racking them up. And halfway through the season or come the trade deadline, that asset's going to look real juicy to some teams. And there's several teams out there that would love to pay the price of Forsberg, and they have cap space to do it. So it is so difficult because like you know the haul for... Forsberg would be huge and you would want a lot for next year's draft. I mean, you're getting at least a first round draft pick if you trade him. Yeah. First, a second. First and second and and maybe even more. There's a lot that would go on with that trade. That would be a blockbuster trade. Um, But that said, boy, it's going to be hard for GMDP to leave that one on the table because that was his boy. He came back, he got, like, that was his trade that he stuck it to the caps with.
0: I I mean, he really did. It's kind of like his trademark move. Yeah, uh, uh, GMDPs and let me throw something else at you I go back to all the time is the identity of the Predators organization you don't have Arvidson, you don't have Weber you don't have Rene uh, Forsberg's He's, one of the originals him is, and Yossi exactly. him and Yossi are like you don't have Ellis you yeah. can't get rid of so many players until you have no identity anymore you have to keep some kind of fundamental cores as a team and who we are who the identity is and I think you have to keep Forsberg out of, out of that aspect alone almost because you've lost so many other pieces. You've got to keep something to the team together.
2: Well, that's why I argued, too, signing Eckholm was very important. Yeah, I agree. I, it went a long way to enticing him to come back because you still have a core. And the fact that the team's doing halfway decent this year and probably outperforming what we thought yes, outperforming expectations that also helps. He also already lives in Nashville. He's been comfortable. He's, he he lo- likes it here. Like he really does. Like every time he posts on social media, He's like, oh, it's mad. like, can't wait to be back. You know, like, you can tell he likes playing here and he loves the fans. It's just the problem is going to be that price that he wants, and the pro I think it's not going to be I, th- I don't think it's going to be the price because I think we'll give him what he wants price wise. I think the term is going to be the sticking factor because he is going to want some juicy, you know, like eight by eight term, and we're not going to be able to do that. Like, we're going to need like five years. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would be okay giving him the eight for five years. But anything past that is absolutely scary, considering the contracts we already have on the books. And you're talking about the 8x8, eight eight and I'm sitting here thinking about Jack Hughes getting that 8 by 8 with the doubles. Whew, I couldn't believe that. Just like, what the heck?
0: Yeah, people have been getting paid this year, for sure. And you couldn't tell it by the salary cap, but they're getting paid.
1: Well, then, I think what's happened is you're, some of these players are getting paid, and you've got... Uh, what was it today? Subin. Malcolm Subin got traded to Buffalo from Chicago for... Future considerations and, and
2: dude, yeah. He yeah his, from salary,
0: his salary is like nine hundred thousand. And they said this is the first time that uh so that's the most expensive goalie on the roster is nine hundred thousand. That's the first time that a AHL player is making more money than two of their the two counterpart NHL uh goalies on the roster. So crazy. And, and exactly. I think some pieces are gonna fall left behind. You keep paying the big dog some big money and you're going to have to fight for scraps at the bottom and whoever's left over in 2 or 3 years at the next signing time.
2: You want to you want to hear Jack Hughes, Hughes' stats? Let's hear him. So, he's played 120 games and only has 55 points. And you got an 8 by 8. He played 61 games his first year with 21 points. He played 56 last year with 31. This year he's played 3 and he has 3.
0: Yeah, I tell you, the kids That's
2: I mean that's hedging he, a real bad. He's hedging. So I'm going to say, like, good on him for getting it signed. Congrats. Take that money. But I have a feeling that they are going to be, like, if he doesn't perform in the next year or two, it's going to be very interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. I, so, I read that, and I was like, this is an Albatross contract.
2: He's got a performer. It's done. Well, it's just you have very little, like, low sample size yeah I I mean that's just how it is like you can you can argue he's got great talent I mean he does looking at him on the ice but like he just has such a small sample size it's scary
1: I mean I'm over here with Matt going I would rather put him on a show me deal no you you think you're that good let's let's
0: see it yeah that's the problem with kids you know come in young he's a hot player for sure but you know New Jersey's not really uh a great team at the moment so you give him some bad contracts on the books and that's how you stay potentially in the bottom for a while uh with a potential like albatross contract. So we'll see on that good kid, but uh you know I
2: mean, I would have done a bridge contract. Why not do like one or two years at eight? you know what I mean? Like yeah. I I don't like that's still that's still a lot for me just considering he's only scored 30 points in a year so far total. Like I, I mean that's a lot. So I I don't know. So one thing I noticed
1: um uh, during our game on Tuesday night is that we joined a very interesting group with the uh Capitals and the Lightning so, November 30th, Preds, Caps, and each score twice in 11 seconds or less. That's the first time this has happened in a single evening since March ninth, 1975. What a random fact.
2: That sounds like something Matt would have pulled
0: out. Yeah, that's that's definitely a random one.
1: It came across Twitter and I was like,
0: that's a Matt fact. Matt would absolutely love this. Yeah, I love those one-offs. That's just so crazy. And who comes up with that? How how did somebody track that? You know, that's, that's wild. And our Ovechkin update, dude's killing it. He is. Yeah. He is 18 goals,
1: the last time I checked, 18 goals away from Yager for third place, and he's 146 goals from Gretzky. Yeah. That's crazy. And he's
0: also on pace to uh, break tamu Solani's record of having the most goals scored uh, on a year in which you're 36 years old. Uh, I forget the number, but he's on pace to to break that record as well. So not a shocker. He's a baller.
1: I mean, he's like, what, 36 years old? Yeah. Yeah, he I, is, he is I, two years younger than me.
2: <laughs> what am I doing with my life, bro? I, I mean, and I saw the other day too. His like point or his goal per game average is higher than Gretzky's. So I, I mean, it, it's crazy. He actually could do it in less games too. Like it's, yeah, I know. Like you, well, I tell you what,
0: me that and, is a crazy stat. Me and my wife were talking about that same fact. We were talking about Ovechkin and how many years he's been uh, in the league. I don't know off the top of my head. But that's what I said. You really have to go in how many points per game because just because a guy played 30 years in the league and has more points than the guy who only played 15 doesn't mean that he was a better player because you have to compare point production per game or per year or whatever. And I, that's a very interesting fact you mentioned. I didn't know that. So yeah, no, it's, it's actually like leaning towards him now. So so really, the only question is, can he survive in the league as long as Gretzky did? I think he's got two or three years more to break that record or whatever. By the by the pace he's on, so it's looking like he will. He's been healthy so far, knock on wood.
2: Yeah, so goals per game, Wayne Gretzky .601, Alexander Ovechkin .614. He is above Wayne Gretzky right now, and I never thought I would see that. The only person who had one higher was Lemieux, Yeah, but he played less games, yeah. obviously, so...
0: That's that's kind of the measure I go for. It's not necessarily a length of a tenure in the league. It's it's point production. Yeah, I mean, but,
2: but the fact that kind of to Kyle's point, like he's been able to continue that point production even into his thirties. Like yeah. like Lemieux stopped a little sooner, and that just is what it is. If he would have played in his thirties, his production would have tailed off more than likely, and he would have lowered his goal per game average. The fact that. Wayne Gretzky and Alexander Ovechkin are like at the same pace and Ovi is higher than him and they've played very similar like it blows my mind like I mean you're literally watching history every single night and I think he does catch him at this point if he stays healthy like there's there's nothing to tell me otherwise that he's not going to catch him if he stays healthy like this Uh, he's had his best start since he won the MVP and he's 36
0: so let me tell you he's this is his 16th year he needs three more. That would be 19. But let me tell you, not many people in the NHL play 20 years anymore. That's a thing that old school guys used to could do. It doesn't happen that much anymore. So he's right on the line. We'll we'll see.
2: I think he will. But that's the crazy part is you have to be thinking that at some point he would tail off. But this has been his best season start since he won MVP. Yeah. What was it, Matt? I asked you the other day. I said,
1: who are the top three players in NHL right now? We yeah. came up with Hey,
0: I got it, buddy. You did. I did
1: get it. I mean, you look at Ovechkin, he's sitting up here and everyone's talking about him, but then you look over the Oilers and you've got Drysaddle and um McDavid just killing it too. Yeah. Top three play top three forwards in the league
2: overall. And he's 36.
0: Yeah. It's he's, very it's
1: very impressive. He's
0: impressive this year, for sure.
1: And Matt, since we're talking about stats here and we've talked about Ovechkin and your boys, uh Drysaddle and McDavid, you know, what else you got for us? I kind of stole some of your thunder.
0: Yeah, hey, uh, let me tell you a little bit about let me preach the Red Wings gospel for you for a minute. Let me tell you. Uh, they just did the Calder voting, and uh, Lucas Raymond took uh, took that one. It's it's not final yet. It's just a speculation from NHL.com panelists, but uh, Raymond it's is way ahead, dude. Way ahead. And number two is this boy, uh, Morris Cider. They're both one and two. Very interesting how it uh, might give some other teams some hope because the Red Wings have been in rebuild mode for a like freaking decade now, it seems like. I don't know how long it's been, but feels it's been about- like four years. <laughs> it feels like an eternity. I think Dad's only left like six or seven years ago, whatever. Anyway, uh, but so you're in rebuild mode. You get the you draft the kids that come up in your system, and guess what? Now you got two rookies that are leading the league in for the same organization. It's a really a breath of fresh air in Detroit. And uh, Lucas Raymond also. It only took him 21 games to get to 20 points. He is now the fifth fastest player amongst active players to meet that mark. And uh, so Detroit also is preaching the youth movement. Not only just between them two, but they have the most points in the league uh, by players that are 25 years old or less. Uh, so now let me tell you a couple more stats as I wrap it out. Daniel, I don't know if you saw this, but the Preds, when they were playing Jersey the other day, this happened to be the first time in NHL history between, uh, Nico Hischier and Roman Yossi that had two Swiss captains opposing mm-hmm. each other on the ice. Yeah, that's cool. That's, uh, that's really impressive. And it's another one of those oddball stats you've never seen it happen yet. So it's really cool. And, uh, let me tell you, the Calgary Flames have had uh, the first nineteen games of this year. They had seven shutouts. That's the first time since nineteen twenty nine that's happened. They're still not gonna make the playoffs. <sighs> yeah. Hey, I don't know. Hey, hey, I don't know. Don't sleep on Flames. I tell you this. I said this the other day. I said the Flames I always like to ride them through the playoffs. They always disappoint me. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'll reserve judgment for a little bit later on that. But I'll fi- I'll finish it off by saying, guess what? If you look on the all-time list for goalies and their save percentage, a particular, some of the names, you know, you would think to see are out there, but particular sixth place is a young UC Soros yeah. with a .920 save percentage. He's tied for sixth place all-time on the best goalies save percentage list.
2: Yeah, I, I was shocked when Matt brought that up last time. I was, I was actually genuinely surprised, but I, I mean, he's killed it though in his early career, so we'll see where oh, yeah. he lands. I mean, you get trained by Pecorine, you're going to do good.
0: Yeah, uh, just kind of one of those snuck up on. you. didn't expect to see that, so that that's really great. Really great production from him, so that's all I got, boys. And
2: Daniel, what games we got coming up? All right, so outside the Bruins game tonight, we have the Canadians, and then we have the Red Wings, followed by the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers. Man, Another four-game stint being away, and then finally we return home for the Flames, and then the Avalanche. Uh, that's actually our next divisional opponent, so we have a long stretch without a divisional opponent, and that's when we're recording next. Guys, that's going to be a show for today.
1: If you like the show, you can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. And while you're there, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes at Music City Gold or on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel
0: at Steve Dan Drum and Matt
1: at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.